Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly, we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. You know, rather than thinking of landscapes and food systems and water systems and all these things as these kind of linear paths, you know, you take something as an input here and you put it out there and nothing's connected and nothing is part of this, like, larger web of life and systems, living systems, you know, permaculture kind of takes that and seeks to make the ends meet, so to speak. So what are the, what are the outputs of one thing that can become the inputs of another part of life within a system? So the way that translates for our work is we really look at water as a whole on a site and how that integrates with plantings and how that integrates with soil building and how plants integrate with soils and how plants integrate with animal systems and kind of how the whole thing works, you know, as a, as a large web. Hi everybody. It's Lacey again. I'm really excited today. I'm doing something a little different. I'm talking to somebody who is an expert in permaculture, which is something that uh, Drew and I are really passionate about. And I'm excited to connect you with Brandy Hall, who teaches permaculture, trains people in permaculture, and is a permaculture design consultant. Um, and she is here to share a little bit about permaculture with us. But before we get started with that, I would love for her to give us her backstory and tell us how she came into this line of work, what led her down this path. So Brandy, please kind of start at the beginning, you know, did you grow up on a farm? Are you familiar with farming? How did this all come to pass? Well, very circuitously, I would say. So I um, grew up on a farm, an ornamental plant nursery and palm tree seed farm, actually, in South Florida. Wow. Um, so not a food producing farm, but a farm that was surrounded by and practiced conventional agriculture. So we saw very early on the firsthand the impact, I guess, of conventional agriculture and the methods of growing. My parents, my mom and my stepdad ran the farm and then my my parents divorced when I was young and my dad is from North Carolina, Western North Carolina. And that's where I was born and spent kind of this juxtaposed childhood of pristine summers in North Carolina and the wilderness and then this farm surrounded by toxic agriculture you know, early on as a child and actually saw my mom and my stepdad were both poisoned by chemicals that were deemed pretty innocuous by the EPA at the time. Things that you could, at one point, uh, free like silent spring, you could buy in the hardware store. Um, and a chemical called diazepam, diazepam, sorry, which they were spraying. It's a fungicide, oticide. They were spraying in hot houses in South Florida and wearing these suits that were theoretically protective, but when they would get wet from the inside, it actually functioned more like a pervious membrane and would oh, no. let the chemicals get really close to their skin and then kind of trap in the heat. Yeah. And they, within a matter of years of this agricultural practice, both became really sick. So my mom would have these episodes where it looked like she was, she, you know, she would go into convulsions and go into anaphylactic shock. And when I was really young, they picked me up from school on the way to the hospital when she was having a, a reaction. 
and she shook the door, the inner panel of the door off of the, the car. She was convulsing so hard. And then my stepdad was having nosebleeds and in a wheelchair for years. And then they moved to North Florida. When I was in eighth grade, we moved and they went through kind of a seven year detox where it went fully organic, like, you know, kind of threw the towel in on Western medicine for a while because it was very clear to them what the connection was, but they weren't really finding any support through those outlets. So they started doing, you know, chiropractic and acupuncture and some alternative healing modalities and were able to find some amount of stasis, but and returned to health, but it was kind of an arduous journey. So yeah. that's a that's why I say circuitous. I think that that had a really, you know, had a lot of impact as a young sure. person seeing these, the impacts of uh, kind of chemicals and things that we do just so ubiquitously in our landscapes, you know, oh, let's spray for this, let's spray for that. Yeah, you know, buy it at the hardware store and kill this thing. And I think well, that that's- I'm glad they made the load. between what was causing the issue because I think a yeah. lot of times that just goes completely un, un yeah. diagnosed or at least noticed or whatever. So yeah, that's really great. Um, yeah, I think for them it was really apparent because you know they would like smell the spray from a neighboring farm and then within minutes have really? some wow. sort of Ugh. reaction. So yeah, so that leads me to my work now. Right. <laughs> you know. right. Okay. So really briefly, how does permaculture compare to what? you know, your, maybe your folks were doing back then? Yeah. So, you know, rather than thinking of landscapes and food systems and water systems and all these things as these kind of linear paths, you know, you take something as an input here and you put it out there and nothing's connected and nothing is part of this like larger web of life and systems, living systems, you know, permaculture kind of takes that and seeks to make the ends meet, so to speak. So what are the, what are the outputs of one thing that can become the inputs of another part of life within a system? So the way that translates for our work is we really look at water as a whole Mm -hmm. on a site and how that integrates with plantings and how that integrates with soil building and how plants integrate with soils and how plants integrate with animal systems and kind of how the whole thing works, you know, as a, as a large web. Yeah. It sounds really complicated when you say it like that. (laughs) I know it does. (laughs) And it is really complicated, but I think that that's actually the beautiful piece is that we can manipulate what's already complicated to do what we want it to do in a lot of different ways. So, and we have a masterful teacher all around us. Like if we just step outside and observe what's going on in an untouched system, like a forest, you know, we can start to kind of take in like, oh, well, the leaves drop and then the leaves make soil. And when it rains in the forest, you know, it doesn't cause this like massive erosion gully that goes to Mississippi or wherever, (laughs) you know, it just dissipates on the leaves and becomes a mist on the forest floor. And we can take those principles and apply them to systems that we design, you know, in our own landscapes. So it's, it's both really complex and also hearteningly simple. Uh, it, it, yeah, exactly. And we're a part of it. Like we're a piece, yeah. of, a piece of it. So I heard somebody say this recently that they, they were tired of thinking themselves as something that was like injuring the earth just by existing, right? And mm-hmm. flip that on its head and become a part of it. It's mm-hmm. much less pressure on ourselves, right? We can mm-hmm. do good instead of bad. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. one of the things that Brandy does is teaches classes in um, her local area, and now she's setting up an online course on 
becoming permaculture certified so that you can know these uh, these different things and the the permaculture principles and um, apply those to your own home and lifestyle even it's it kind of goes beyond just mm. your garden right or your farm or whatever so your goals with doing this for a living are what exactly brandy we love empowering people kind of to the ends that you were just speaking you know i think a lot of people come with an ethics around environmental impact and really wanting to do good in the world and it does feel like you know when we look around that oh humans are just kind of messing things up left and right you know yeah. but our goal is really to empower people to say oh you can go outside and you can connect and even if you can't produce all of your own food that that's not necessarily the goal like the goal is to get outside and to observe what's going on and to pick strawberries and feed them to your children and to have herbs that you can put in cocktails and make medicine with and you know just that that sense that brings contentment when we connect with the natural world i think it's really about having people understand that you can you can participate and you can be a healing force mm, yes yeah. yeah i love that okay so what is unique about what you're doing what would you say in terms of working with folks who are you looking for to um to help and you know mm -hmm. what services who do you provide those to yeah so we're primarily a design build company based here in atlanta and we work throughout the southeast depending on the scale of projects but we work with clients from production farms laying out the systems that support productive and diverse farming mm -hmm. we do off-grid homesteads and water systems and then we do all kinds of things from commercial projects, schools, nonprofit land bases, and then of course residential, a lot of a lot of folks that are, you know, wanting to transform their own yards and have an impact on the climate crisis and just make better decisions that are more aligned with their their holistic goals. So we work with clients kind of in every genre. We work with clients through a design build process where we help un them understand their vision for their site. And then we also read the site and develop a plan that is um, ecologically sound um, and then helps them to both achieve how they want to use the space and then also to heal through, you know, water management and rainwater harvesting and soil building and plants, whether it's native plant communities or edible landscaping or things like that. And then we go on to uh, provide caretaking services for them. So we, we oh, nice. work with our clients to train them to be able to take over the land caretaking. So we're not really interested in, you know, building a system that people just look out from their kitchen window and they're like, oh, that's pretty, but it's this right. static thing. You know, we want them to, we want people to get out and get their hands in the dirt. So our caretaking is really geared toward helping train clients to feel empowered to interact. Oh, I love that. And what an important thing, because if you're just looking, you don't get the full experience, right? You don't get to mm -hmm. be a piece of the system. Just mm -hmm. not I love that. Okay. So we know, I know you have some really good tools for folks to jump in on and we'll share those links where we post this awesome. interview. But one of the ones that I'm really excited about is that you offer folks some, um, some tips on plants to grow in and around their homes, which I think, you know, the majority of our listeners are people who just, you know, have a home and they want to do better in their own home environment. So can you share a few tips that just pop into your head about what people can do simply and easily implementing permaculture ideas and um, principles in their own lifestyle. Um, yeah. So just what pops into your head first? The first thing I thought of was 
treat water as a precious resource. So, you know, the way buildings are designed, most of the water drains, if it's not draining at your foundation, like we encounter a lot, it's drained, you know, to the hardscape, the driveway runoff to the stormwater system. Um, so we like to take the water that's coming from downspouts, for instance, and direct it into the yard and yeah. help create places where it can infiltrate into the soil and feed the plant roots. And um, so that's a really simple thing to do if people, you know, look into how to build a rain garden on um, YouTube. I'm sure you can find tons of links. So it's very simple. I just picked up the farmer's almanac and there's an article about building a rain garden there. I'm so excited about that because it's yeah. just a simple thing that we can all do. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And then I think the other thing is there's so many plants, I think evaluating the plants that you put in your landscape so that they meet multiple functions. So mm -hmm. the standard is to choose things because, oh, this is really pretty, but mm -hmm. you can also ask, what else can it do? Does it support any sort of wildlife or pollinator? Does it have a soil function? Like it fixes nitrogen or, which is something that's used a lot in farming, you know, different crops that help to build soil, like soybeans, for instance. But there are lots of landscape plants that would do the, a similar function to provide nutrients to other plants around them. Mm -hmm. And then edible is really the low hanging fruit, edible and medicinal. No pun intended. Low-hanging fruit. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can take a look at your, you know, the things that we're used to seeing in residential contexts, like foundation plants that are evergreen. Mm. You know, they're that's awesome. And there are so many plants that fit that same niche of evergreen foundation plant that are also edible mm. or um, okay. native. Give us a couple yeah. of what, what are some of your favorites? Pineapple guava is a great one. I don't know if that it probably grows on the east side of North Carolina, yeah, not in the mountains. Three different zones in North Carolina, so it can be, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, and that one is, it's also called Fajoa, and it's got this gorgeous red and white flower and a silvery underleaf, and it fruits in the spring and, or early summer here. Mm. Really beautiful. Rosemary, I, here in Atlanta, we use rosemary a lot because it just gets so big and bushy and it's aromatic and it helps deter pests and it makes a really wonderful foundation plant, you know, yeah, for instance. Rosemary is a wonderful example and you can cut it back and it doesn't really hurt it. Yeah. Make it how you want it to be. So. Yeah. I'm a big fan of plants that just really want to live. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Take some pressure off. Exactly. Um, okay, so this is a harder question. What is the hardest part of, of doing this work that you've encountered? You know, I think the hardest part is allowing for patience and like really working with clients in that regard because we're so programmed to like instant gratification. You know, I want what I want and I want it right now. Mm -hmm. And that's not really how nature works. So, you know, so we really try to encourage clients to build over time and to put things in the ground and then see how it's working and then build upon that. Mm -hmm. um, plant smaller so that the plants have the opportunity to adapt without a lot of inputs and water and right, you know, yeah. all of the things. Grow from seed so that the, the niches within, you know, even just your lawn, like some things might do really well here because it's a little more moist and a little shadier and other species might do well where it's a little hotter and a little drier. So we do a lot of like mixed species lawns, a lot of like multiple yeah. plants, not just grass. And yeah. growing from seed is a really great way to establish, but it takes patience also. So, you know, I think that that's a really a constant lesson 
for us. And yeah, patience is hard. And I feel like this, this world now is really prone to saying, Oh, how can I speed this up? And what can I do to make this faster? And that's why we get all these inputs. Um, instead mm-hmm. of, instead of taking a step back and adjusting the soil and, you know, maybe bringing in some pollinators or whatever. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. a really good tough thing that we can all maybe <laughs> take a step back. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. All right. Well, lastly, what's one thing that you enjoy most about the garden? Mm, I love being in the garden with my daughter. It just makes me so incredibly happy. She's three when she's like, you know, the other day we were out there and she started picking sorrel out of the grass and was eating it. And she was like, this is so delicious. Oh, yes. She can like identify some plants. That just, it just makes my heart sing. It's like the whole reason for doing any of it. Oh, yeah, totally. When I, yeah, (laughs) we'll just pick wild onion when we're out on a hike or whatever. And it's like, yeah, really. Wow. Oh, that's, that's powerful. So I love that. Thank you so much. Brandy, thank, thank you so much for being on the call with us. I'm really excited to yeah. share and to share the resources that you've got for folks. I know you have some shade loving um, suggestions for folks. Yeah. And actually just quickly review some of the other uh, freebies that you have for people to take advantage of. Yeah. So if people are interested in learning more about permaculture specifically, there's a resource on there for books broken down by topic and organizations, you know, globally that are doing really cool things. And also within the Southeast, Mm -hmm. Um, I highly recommend taking a look at. And then we also have um, plants for shade garden. That's a question that we get a lot. What kind of food can I grow in the shade? And there's actually a lot. (laughs) Um, And then we also have a list of very beautiful, more toward the ornamental side um, medicinal plants. So things that can kind of stack some functions within your garden. I love that. How many times do you see a landscape of of things that are, um, not really useful at all? And you could totally Mm -hmm. just put those to something that's also useful and Mm -hmm. twofer. I love it. That's great. Yeah. A twofer. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Brandy, thank you again so much for being on the call. Um, I can't wait to hear more and, and see what you're doing. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much. It was really nice to meet you.